0: So we're going to talk today and as we continue our uh, thing on um, our study all, all year long on the um, beginning of a movement. What made this movement so unique and so vibrant of the Christian faith. And today we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is revealed in uh, the New Testament, in the Gospels, and reveals himself in that process as being God. Uh, that's, that's a pretty important thing. Let me, let me just say this. I am an unbelievably skeptical person in life. I have great faith in the Lord, and I believe in the Lord. But if someone was to appear now and start claiming to be God or have powers of divinity or the powers of healing, I simply wouldn't believe them. Now, part of that is because I have an understanding that comes from Scripture. I'm predisposed to know that can't happen anymore, that there is no body coming as God. But in my lifetime, there have been guys who kind of claimed that, you know, Reverend Sun Moon, I think David Koresh kind of claimed that. Others have claimed that. Um, Jim Jones kind of claimed that back in the 70s. And so we see that, we see movements where people claim some sort of deity. I am, because of Scripture, as a Christian, never going to believe that. You know, not, it's not that it's improbable. It's that it's, to me, impossible. But beyond that, it would be highly skeptical. So when I understand a little bit in the day of Christ why people would be skeptical. Um, something would have to happen that can only be explained by God's doing. Um, for me to believe that someone could have that. I'm, I'm so skeptical. I don't, I don't believe in any miracles from people. And I believe God can still do miracles. I don't believe people heal anything. There are, there are four periods in the scriptures where people healed. In the Old Testament, Moses healed. Those were, I mean, Moses did miracles. Those were natural miracles. Elijah and Elisha did some miracles for the purpose of healing and pointing people to God. They were always pointing people to God. In the New Testament, Jesus did a bunch. But it's Jesus. And they're important. We're going to come to one of those in the passages today. Because the miracles revealed he was God. Okay, And then some of the apostles did a few. Peter, John, Paul. But they always did it in the name of Jesus. To point to Jesus. Now, those were things that revealed Jesus to be God. I hear people sometimes say, The miracles give us glimpses of heaven. That's sweet. It's just not what they were for. The miracles were either to help someone. Or to reveal that Jesus is God. And that's what they're for. Not to give us glimpses of heaven, because there's no miracles in heaven. So, to understand them, we have to realize what they're for. And today, while I believe in the miraculous of God healing someone, when we were at Park Hills, there was a little boy born with a hole in his heart, and they knew the hole in the heart, they saw the hole in his heart, they're going to have to operate and at a certain age, and before a certain age came, as they were getting ready to heal him, uh, operate on him, try to, to put that heart back together, it was a life and death surgery. The hole was gone, it healed. And the doctor simply said, there is, no me- there is no way that could have happened short of the miraculous. So I didn't believe that. But I don't believe you can do it. I don't believe you can heal anybody. I don't believe you can perform a miracle. Why? Because people performing miracles ended in the New Testament. They just did Now, bothersome people don't care, and this is why. Because my understanding of Jesus as God is so important and so focused that it doesn't ever allow for you and I to do anything to either take away from that or to throw some sense of skepticism upon that. And so we need to understand what it means for Jesus to be God. And we need to understand what the guys in the New Testament, what the authors of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were demonstrating. Because all four Gospels reveal Jesus to be deity. Now, I've heard people say many times, Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, he never said, hey, I'm God. Correct. But that would have have not been in any way beneficial to what he was accomplishing. We're gonna to see today he claimed he, he, he all oh, he claimed deity. And all the guys did it. Matthew and Luke, it's becoming the Christmas. Both demonstrate from the birth of Jesus the deity of Jesus Christ. Christmas is the incarnation. Jesus is God in the flesh, fully God, fully man. So in those birth narratives, what's so important about them is that they reveal Jesus to be God. That babe, that baby that grew up to be man is God in the flesh. Now, we're going to come to something in Mark in a minute. Mark doesn't have a birth narrative, but he has a story early on that does accomplish the same thing. But what I want to start with you is with John. I'm going to start in John, go to Mark, come back to John. But John chapter 1. John is the last of the Gospels written. Maybe as much as 25 years after the other. Probably wrote his Gospel, or maybe 30. Some think he may have written as early as 85 A.D., Probably after 90, he was an older man. Probably the last five New Testament books written, not how you read them, but written chronologically, were from John. John, the gospel, his three epistles, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. So in John 1.1, here's what he says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that is come into being. In him was life, and the life was a light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to go into depth on all these passages, I don't have time. But I preached from here before, I preached a series from these verses before, several verses, and here it is. In the beginning, to the Jewish mind, harking back to the Old Testament, was the Logos, Word is Logos. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Logos was with God, and those he coexisted with God. But beyond that, he was God, which is a very Trinitarian statement. Now, so to a Jew, the term logos, word, would immediately make them think of the spoken word of God. When God created, he spoke. Let there be light, and you know, things happen. So the creative process was God speaking. So there would be an immediate assumption of deity. To the Gentile, the concept of logos was what kept the universe together. It was the divine reality or the ruling principle. So it was a deity in essence. So what John simply says, and he begins his gospel, and he knows all the other gospels are out there. Oh, great, he knows a bunch of Paul stuff's out there, but John simply says this. What existed from before time was logos, this word. And the word is eternal because it exists before time. It is with God. But you have to understand it is God. And everything that exists came from the Logos. So the Logos is God. And everybody who read that would say, okay, I get this. But then you come to verse 14. And it says this. And the word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. And when we saw his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified him. And then it goes on to say, verse 17, it was Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. The Logos, God existed in the Logos. And then there came a time where the Logos always existed as God. There was a time the Logos wasn't something that it became, and what it became was flesh. God has always existed. And the Logos, which was the second person of the Trinity, has always existed. But it didn't always exist in the flesh. The Logos never, ever appeared in the flesh into the birth. And so what John is basically saying is I'm going to tell you the story of a guy named Jesus. And what you need to understand, and this is what he says from the get-go, so there's no misunderstanding from anybody that Jesus, who this person we talk about, who I'm going to write about, who John testified about, John the Baptist, is God. He is God. The rest of the Gospel of John Defends and reveals that concept that the Logos became flesh, that Jesus is God. You read the rest of John. One of the things that John focuses on, we're going to talk more about it in a little bit, are the miracles that Jesus did, the signs. Lots of talk about the signs in John. People always asking Jesus for a sign, for a sign, for a sign. He did all these signs. The signs that he did, the things that he did by their own understanding, the Jewish understanding, and right now he's really dealing with the Jewish concept in John, okay? The other things that he did could only be understood as the work of God. So that's it. Now, I want you, if you have your Bible, to go to Mark chapter 2. Because Mark doesn't have anything, you know, as poetic and beautiful as John, he doesn't have the birth stories of Matthew and Luke, he just begins, and we did that series in September, he just begins, here's Jesus. But he comes, you know, the end of chapter 1, he's healing all these people, and everybody's pumped up. This guy's going to be the Messiah. So John chapter 2. When he had come back to Caper- uh, Capernaum, several days afterwards, and he's well into his ministry, it was heard that he was at home. And so many were gathered there, and so they were no longer in even for the door, and he was speaking the word to them. So he was it was in a home, preaching, teaching, just packed, and so they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Four men came bringing him a paralytic, uh, being a guy who was crippled from birth. They couldn't get him into the house because of the—I mean—because of the crowd. So they removed the roof above him and when they had dug an opening and let down the pallet on the paralytic was lying. That's just—I always cracks me up. They just destroyed this guy's house. I'd be so ticked. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. He saw their faith. didn't even see his faith. Just their faith. The faith of the men. Now, probably the paralytic's faith was included. And he said, your, your sins are forgiven. Now, think about that. They, they didn't bring him there to have sins forgiven. Jesus was already healing people. He had this power. They wanted Jesus to heal this guy. So I said, your sins are forgiven. And notice what exactly after that. Some of the scribes, we're sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak this way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, he is correct. There only God can forgive sins. And in their mind, he is creating, committing blasphemy. By the way, probably if I was them, I probably would agree with them. If someone came and they claimed to be God, I would think you're crazy. You're blaspheming. Unless you know in that age you can demonstrate that you were god i mean you know you, you it, it makes sense what they're saying before we were all critical of them we're all pretty skeptical in life right i mean if i claimed to you if i told you i had the power to heal people you wouldn't believe me you know you wouldn't and so that i can kind of get that but we're going to see that should not last And so immediately Jesus was aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves. So he said to them, why are you reasoning about the things in your heart? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk? Let me just say this. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus does not speak that. Oh, by the way, only God can heal someone who was born crippled, by the way. Now, I know we live in a day and age now with technology and medicine that we've seen things happen that couldn't happen, but they didn't have that. Okay, So in the day of Jesus, two things were certain. Only God could forgive sins, and Jesus never disputes that. And only God can heal someone who was crippled or born blind. You had something from birth. Only God could do that. So he asked a simple question, which is easier? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because there's no way you have to back that up. If I said, hey, you know, you know these three guys right here came to me. You know, for some reason I forgave their sins, which I would, even if I would God, I don't know how to do that. But I forgave their sins. It's easy to say your sins. How do I prove your sins are forgiven? I can't prove their sins are forgiven. I can't demonstrate their sins are forgiven. Not on behalf of God. I can't show that. It's easy to say that. Oh, your sins are forgiven. Don't worry. But to say to someone who is crippled, you've been healed, that's a whole other thing. Because I have to prove that. So Jesus is setting these cats up all over the place. So he forgives the guy their sin, which only God can do. So he says, which is easier? In verse 10 he says, but so that you may know that the Son of Man, that's him... As, as, as the Christ, the Messiah, has the authority to forgive sins. The, the authority means the right to do that. I've told you all before about the word authority. He has the right, only God has the authority to forgive sin. Jesus is saying, I have the authority only God has to forgive sin. The right to do it. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up, pick up your pallet and go home. And he caught up and picked up his pallet and walked in the sight of everyone. And they were all amazed. Glorifying God. Why wouldn't they? We have never seen anything like this. So here in the Gospel of Mark is, is one of the most concise pictures of Jesus demonstrating he's God. He is saying this is, the, this is what this whole thing is about. This miracle, I mean, yeah, it benefited the guy and that's great. But it wasn't even about benefiting this guy. It was about Jesus and his teaching with all the things that he's done and the skepticism laying out once and for all, and Mark reveals this, and Peter would have told Mark the story. This is Jesus demonstrating that he's God. You would have to believe that. Now, I know in our culture, if someone, you know, you go to a beanie Hen rally or some of these guys, and they heal people, and, all, and it's all a fraud, and you know, they have all this technology, and I, I would never believe it. But if I was in a place somewhere, somewhere in another part of the world, and this, there was just guy, and there was no technology around. And there was a person who you could demonstrate who I knew personally was crippled from birth. I mean, I knew personally that they were crippled from birth. They also, these guys knew personally. It wasn't just, hey, I've been told, and they all say that. No. I had seen it his whole life, and they could heal him. Just say, get up, not touch him, just get up and go. Well that would be pretty convincing, wouldn't it? If I knew him his whole life, I knew his was was severed and I tried to help him and he, I mean I knew it. I mean there's nobody's playing the con for 25 years, right? I mean, nobody, nobody, I mean this, this, this not he's not faking this. And that's exactly what happened. Then they didn't believe. So go to John. So, go to John chapter 8. So, this, you know, John 8, 9, 10, 11 go on and on. I've touched on this some already. In John 8, you know, verse 31, the truth will set you free and all that stuff. In verse 39, Jesus is talking to them about, he's, he's laying it out that his connection to the Father, he's talking about his connection to the Father, his connection to the Father, his connection to the Father. You know, he's talking about being, you know, the, you Abraham's descendants in verse 37, you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. He was just hammering, understand. Jesus is hammering the religious leaders. Make no mistake about it. He is just tearing them apart. You think you sent messages and the pastor just gave you hellfire and brimstone all over you? Try having Jesus do that. I mean, it's unbelievable. Verse 99, they said to him in desperation, really, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God, this Abraham did not do. said, so well, I'm telling you, Abraham didn't tell you. And he never heard from God. What I, and he's saying, I've heard from God. Think about that. Jesus is saying, I have heard from God. He said, you're doing the deeds of your father, which is not Abraham. They said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father. And they're alluding to the birth of Jesus, by the way. They all knew something weren't born in sin. To them, being born in sin was a big deal. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and have come from God. I've come from God. For I have not even come my own initiative. God sent me. I'm here on behalf of God. Why do you not understand what I am saying? Is it because you cannot hear my word? Are you not listening? Can you not hear it? Notice what he says. You are full, or you are of your father, the devil, Diablos. And you want to do the desires of your father. These are the religious leaders. You are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. He is a liar and the father of lies. I would hate to someone say that I am of the devil. Man, I would get so ticked. I've had people say a lot of things, but I've had people say that I'm a false prophet. I've been called, in my ministry, I've been called a liberal, a fundamentalist, a conservative, a moderate. I've been called this, that, and the other. I've been accused of all these things. Be called the son of the devil in my ministry. I've been called a son of a lot of things. Verse 45 says, but because I speak the truth... You do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? So where's my sin? He's saying, where's my sin? Verse 47, he who, hear, uh, who he was of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them because you're not of God. You get what he's saying? He's hearing them. I'm bringing you the words of God, and you're not following them because you're not from God. The Jews answered and said to him, do we not rightly say you are Samaritan? And they said, you have a demon. Jesus said, "Answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father. And you dishonor me, but I do not seek my glory. There is one who speaks and judges. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Now think what Jesus is saying. Keep my word, you will never see death. Well, they're obviously going to see physical death. But he's talking about the eternal death. The Jews are incensed at this point. They said to them, now, we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and the prophets also. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, you will never taste death. Surely, he said, they said, verse 53, you are not greater than our father Abraham who died, and the prophets died. Whom do you make yourself about to be? And Jesus said this. Look at this. If I glorify myself, and only God deserves glory, right? My glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me. Think about that. Of whom you say, here's our God. The God you claim to be God glorifies me. That's, that's, how, how do you not take that to Jesus' saying I'm God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him, and I say that I do not. And, and if I say I do not know him, if I don't know God, if I say I don't come from God, I'm a liar like you. But I knew know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see me in my day. He saw it and was glad. Abraham Rejoice to see Jesus. He was looking for Jesus. Go back to God's covenant with Abraham. which says, all the world will be blessed to you. The Jews said to him, you do not even 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham. And Jesus said this. Notice, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. I have existed. What did God say to Moses? We talked about the I am last week. God said to Moses, tell them I am essentially the one who exists. Jesus, on seven occasions, defined himself in his Messiah role, messianic role as I am. Here, it's not the same thing as one of those seven, same term. I have always existed. Now, that, he's claiming to be God, right? We all got that. They picked up stones to throw at him, and Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. He just walked away. Now, follow that in chapter 9, which I'm not going to go in detail. He heals a guy. <coughs> born blind and I've told you we've already I've done this story a couple of times either through a message and you know and through all that uh through these Wednesday night and in, in, in healing the man born blind the Pharisee heals on the Sabbath so there's a whole Sabbath thing and there's all that stuff coming from them at the end of chapter 9 um Jesus verse 35 Jesus looked at the man they had put out and said Do you believe in the son of me? he asked the, the the guy he healed Do you believe in me He answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you have both seen him, and he is the one who was talking with you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. He worshiped Jesus. Who do you worship? God. Who is the only one who can heal a man born blind? God. So he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world so that those who do not see may see, and those who may see may become blind. So he's talking, the, the, the religious leaders think they can see, and they think they have this, the grasp of everything. And Jesus is saying, you don't see my coming. The appearance of Jesus, the revealing of Jesus, God revealing himself through Jesus, blinded the Pharisees and the religious leaders. But the people who were hungry and searching, who the Pharisees and religious leaders thought were blind, they saw Jesus and their eyes were opened. And so the religious leaders said, we are not blind, too, are we? Jesus said, "If you were blind, you have no sin. But since you say we see, your sin remains." So, what's he saying? This: If you were blind in the spirit, you know, and understood what was going on, and you would worship me like this guy did, and your sin would be removed. But since you are the religious leaders and you think you see, you're still full of your sin. So, with that, then he goes into chapter ten, and I told you last week the stories of the I am, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. Got all that? Then I told you last week the powerful passage where it says, in part of that, my sheep listen to my voice, verse 27. My, uh, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them. They shall by no means perish. No one will snatch them of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one can snatch them on my Father's hand. In verse 37, he says, I am the Father of one. Okay. So he's saying, I am I'm the, the same as the Father. I am the same nature as the Father. The nature of being deity. Verse 31, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. So Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father, okay? He's done all these healings. He's done all this amazing stuff. So for all the things that I've done, which of them them are you stoning me? What are you stoning me for? All I've done is healed people. I healed a man born blind. And you're stoning me for what? And the Jews said, for good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. And in verse 34, one of the most confusing verses in the New Testament. So I'm going to unconfuse it for you, maybe. Has it not been written in your law, I said you are God's. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and the scriptures cannot be broken, do you say of him, that is God, of of Jesus, whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you have blasphemed because I said I am the Son of God. Jesus said, because I say I am the Son of God, you accuse me of blasphemy. So that little verse in verse 34, that little passage he's quoting from, I said you are gods, Psalm 82, verse 6. Now, in Psalm 82... And the psalmist is writing, and God is revealing. And, and what's important here is not the theological or doctrinal understanding of that psalm. It's how Jesus applies it. But what's happening in that psalm is God is looking at some of the false human judges, or the human judges who were corrupt. And in their, in their arrogance, they have dominated and ruled over people, and in their corruption, they have tormented people, and they totally corrupt. They have functioned like little G-O-D-S's, little gods. So the Father says, you are gods. Not that they are deity, but in the sense that you are acting like you are gods. And so because of your corruption, you will face the punishment that you so richly deserve. The point is simply this. God, God evaluates their actions to determine whether or not their actions are legitimate or deserve condemnation. That's what's happening in verse, chapter, uh, Psalm 82. God examines their actions to see whether their actions are legitimate or deserve condemnation. They deserve condemnation. So Jesus takes that psalm, which all these guys knew because they were the religious leaders. And, so here's, and they said, you are committing blasphemy. You are setting yourself up to be God. That's why we're going to stone you. But they had never judged whether what Jesus said or did matched up to the claim. So he says to them, I, in verse 37, verse 36, you, are, you say I'm blasphemy because I send, I'm, I'm the son of God. Verse 37 says this, if I do not do the works of my father, Do not believe me. So judge me to see if it's correct. If you accuse me of blasphemy, judge me on that. But in 38, he says this, but if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So he's saying this, you accuse me of blasphemy, but I have done in your presence what only God can do. You may not believe me, believe the works that I do. And here's what happens. Therefore, they were seeking again to seize him, and he eluded their grasp. Jesus reveals himself all throughout the pages of scripture they write about Jesus. But in incident after incident, Jesus reveals himself to be God. And the religious leaders had all this evidence. And they reject him. They accuse him of blasphemy. Well, they're correct in accusing Jesus of claiming to be God. He did. But where they're wrong is that it wasn't blasphemy. If I claim to be God, it's blasphemy. Because there's no way I can ever be God. But Jesus, in, in they're accusing him of blasphemy, they didn't, they didn't bother to test him to see if he really was. And the test was very simple. He did what only God could do. It's not just what he taught. It's what he did. He healed a man who was paralyzed his whole life. He healed a man who was born blind. He healed lots and lots of people. But those are the two examples we looked at. When he taught, he taught truth. And in teaching the truth, he taught something they couldn't ever teach or grasp. So his words revealed him as God. His teaching, his teaching with authority revealed him as God. But so did his miracles. Now, here's the thing that matters. And that we, we, to help us grasp. What propelled the movement of the Christian faith wasn't just that Jesus was a Messiah, okay, a Messianic figure. It's that he was God and is God who became the Messiah. We we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, and it's important because God raised Jesus from the dead. But God raised Jesus from the dead... Because Jesus was God in the flesh who died for all of us. And because he was God, he couldn't stay dead. He was sinless. He was fully God, fully man. And the early church, part of the driving force in their moving forward and going and going and going, was that Jesus demonstrated to them repeatedly And was revealed to them that he was God. Yeah. And through with that part, I got a few minutes. I want to deal with one other thing real quick. That as a sub note, because this comes up sometimes. Matthew twelve. I think Matthew twelve is what I want to do. Okay. One of the miraculous things that Jesus did to prove he was God was cast out demons, okay? We've seen that. In 1225, he had cast out demons. In 24, they said, this man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. So they accused Jesus of casting out demons because he has the power. He He is the devil, is what he's saying. He cast out demons by the power of Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. So Jesus, in verse 25, says, Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And a city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. That makes no sense. How then will his kingdom stand? It won't. Satan's never going to cast out Satan. If I, by Beelzebul, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Because they claim to cast out demons, which they probably didn't. For this reason, they will be your judgments. Judges, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So if I cast out demons by Satan, that makes no sense. Why would Satan cast out his own demons? Why would Satan cast out demons so that people would look at Jesus and think he was the Son of God? That's what was happening. He cast out demons, they look at Jesus, you're the Son of God. That makes no sense. Or how can anyone enter the strong man's house and carry off his property unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? Verse 30. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I say to you, any sin and blasphemy, any sin and blasphemy, shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, even this age or the age to come. So here's the thing. People talk about the unpardonable sin, and they get all confused. And can you, I, mean I, hear, I hear all sorts of stuff. So let me explain to you as simply as I know how what the unpardonable sin is, and it is this. It is to credit to Satan what you know only the Holy Spirit of God could have done, period. What, there's nothing, nothing, no more. When Jesus cast out a demon, it was by the Spirit of God. They all knew that. They all believed that. They all believed that only God could cast out a demon, so when they, Jesus cast out a demon, and it says it was the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons, the devil, they were arguing against their own beliefs because in their heart they knew only God could do it, and they said Satan did it. They were attributing to Satan what only the power of God can do. So Jesus says it to the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit is the active agent of the Trinity in our lives, to credit to Satan what only the Spirit of God can do is the unpardonable sin. None of you commit that sin. Atheists don't commit that sin because atheists don't believe in God. It takes a person who acknowledges God and knows Jesus, not saying is saved, but knows who Jesus is, and attributes to the satanic what can only be attributed to God by the Holy Spirit. Not anything else. And a Christian, by definition, cannot commit that sin because by definition, if the whole, I'm a Christian, I have the Holy Spirit living within me. If the Holy Spirit lives within me, he is never going to attribute to Satan what he has done. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, unless you are full of the devil. No, I'm just kidding. So this is the thing. I say that in light of what I've done here, because they accused Jesus of blasphemy, They accused him of being you know, in cahoots, you know, in concert with Satan, and Jesus is saying, "I am God, and everything I've done demonstrates I'm God. And you don't believe. And that's on them. Okay, so it's 703. Uh, I'll give you a few moments to ask any questions that you may have.